you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 12, we're going to read just the very end of 11 and then the first nine verses of Genesis 12. But this passage today, beginning in Genesis 12, sets off something for the rest of the Scriptures that uh, is vastly important for us to understand. And here in chapter 12, God presents to us the Gospel message. You might think, oh, that's a New Testament thing. It begins here in the Old Testament as He shows us the call of Abraham. I'll say Abraham. That's going to be his name in a couple chapters. I found myself when I was thinking out loud in my office, I couldn't stop saying Abraham. Here he's Abram. God's going to give him a new name. And if you remember last week in in Genesis 11, the people, as they built the Tower of Babel, said, we are after a name for ourselves. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We are going to be great. And so this morning we can ask the question, what makes a great man or woman? What makes you great? God tells us, faith. Faith in Him. Believing Him and believing His promises. A couple of things I want to point out to you as we read this for you to listen to. uh, Because it's going to play into the context of what we're studying here. We focus once again on a particular family. We've done this with Adam and Eve. We've done this with Noah. Now he turns to the family of Terah. I want you to remember something. We, we, we've started reading a new uh, uh, passages in the morning, but we used to read Joshua, and it says this about this particular family in Joshua. Joshua 24, it says, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor. And listen to this. And they served other gods. That's the context we find Abram this morning. We come to a family that is steeped in the sins of the rest of the nations, worshiping other gods. They are lost. That's an important detail if we're to understand the Gospel here. There was nothing in Abraham that made him great, uh, made him different than the nations around him. And so that's why we have good news. I want you to also, uh, as we read it, see that a lot is asked of this man. He's to leave his nation. He's to leave his family. He's to leave his father. And even his inheritance. Those things that would make him a great man, it would seem. The other is that he's to go with his wife, Sarai. And if you uh, understand about her, she has never had a child And there's no reason to believe now as they're getting older that she will. And lastly, what is happening in this Old Testament context is no different uh, than what Christ and His apostles teach when they proclaim the Gospel. Here the Gospel is set before us. And the faith that Abraham exercises is no different than the faith that we have. Abram looks forward to a Messiah. And we look back to the work of the Messiah. Let me pray, and let's read God's Word. Our gracious God, we thank You that from the very beginning You have shown us not only Your power and Your might, that You have created all things, all things, God, are under Your rule and Your authority. And then even as in the very beginning chapters of the Bible, 
man fell into sin. You, God, are gracious and merciful and wonderful. And as you work out the rest of the Scriptures, your redemptive plan, what you will do to save your people, you have given us the glorious Gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has come into the world to save sinners. And we pray then, Lord, that You would, by Your Spirit poured out upon Your church, make Him known. That He might uh, be known this morning in joy to those who know Him and have been saved. And Lord, that You might make Him known to those whose eyes are shut and hearts are of stone. That You would show Him just how gracious You are, God. Show us Christ. We ask this to be done in the reading and the preaching of the Word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beginning with verse 27 of chapter 11. Now these are the generations of Terah. And Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his, sons, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai's wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. This is God's word for his people. Amen? This morning, we will examine three things as we consider what it means to walk in faith. One, the call of the Gospel. Two, the response of the Gospel. And three, the Gospel is the hope of the nations. One, the, the call of the Gospel. Thomas Boston says, As black is set by white appears the better. 
So God's severity against some may be a looking glass to others in which they may see how much they stand obliged to free grace and mercy. You know, coming out of last week as the nations are scattered because of their rebellion with different languages here, set against that judgment, uh, Abram and his family were one of those nations, is God's free grace and mercy. Set for, for us is the work that God does for the sinner in showing mercy and grace. And it's clear that left on His own, us, mankind, would continue in a destructive path of abandonment of God, fashioning for ourselves gods of our own making that our hearts so easily build. Gods that can't save. Gods that can't hear. Gods that can't speak. And this is where we find Abram. Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, I mean, what would God have to say to a man whose family is serving other gods? I know that uh, when someone is rude to me or someone uh, uh, treats me poorly, I know what my response would be, and it's not anywhere uh, altogether gracious. But here's God. This gracious God, and it is in His character that we see what shines through to a rebellious people. God comes to Abram not because Abram has his act together, not because Abram is better than all of those people that are around him, and there's nothing given to us that makes Abraham, or Abram, sorry, more commendable than the next man. And this is what God does. He calls to the sinner while they sit in the midst of their sin, r rolling around in it like, like, a, like a mud pit, like a, like a pigsty. And it's God who reaches right into the midst of that and He plucks out sinners. Us people. He finds us exactly where we're at. He seeks us out. This is the kind of God that He is. He comes to us even when we don't know how filthy and vile and how much we have on us the stench of our sin. What we see in this chapter is God's determination that He will save. And as determined as the individual is to have His own God and to pursue His own heart is a God who is equally, even more so, voracious in His determination that He will save and pursue sinners wherever they may be found. Amen? <laughs> Maybe for Abram in the land of the Chaldeans, or for the man or the woman 
who finds himself partaking in all natures of sins. He has sought out drunkards. He has sought out those who are adulterous, the lover of money, the well-to-do, the murderer on death row. You name it. Wherever a sinner may be found, he can snatch them out of the depth of despair. This is God's work. Sin has never had such a grip on someone that God cannot overcome it with His gracious call of the Gospel and the work of the Spirit to produce faith in the most unlikely candidates of grace. This is what we first must know just from verse 1 that God calls. And we must know this if we are to embrace the Gospel. It is a story as a lot of the stories do, present to us an example. An example of God's mercy for those who don't know what they're doing or where they are going. For those who stand on the precipice of hell, ready to jump in. This is where God finds us. And it was Jesus who illustrates this in coming to us. While we were dead in our sin, while we were called enemies like Abram, The sin is no friend of God, but God is to those who hear His call and respond. Romans 5 says this, while we were still weak, God shows His love for us. That Christ would die for us. And this, brothers and sisters, is the story of Christ coming. The Gospel calls calls comes to you now just as you are. And it is laden with deep promises. I mean, who makes promises to rebels? God does, and He does so in verses 1-3. through The immense blessing that He is going to pour out on Abram is the immense blessing, brothers and sisters, He's going to pour out upon us, His people. He told Abram in verses 1-3 through this blessing. He uses it five times in two verses. And in these verses, he tells Abram what he will do five times. It's it's laden with these promises. I will pluck you up. I will make you a great nation. And I will give to you uh, children. And I will give to you land. And I will give to you an inheritance. And I will make you, Abram, a blessing for all the nations of the earth. Huge promises. And the Gospel is no less a call to you this morning than it was to Abram. It holds out to you wonderful promises. Salvation. Inheritance. And blessing beyond measure that doesn't cease when you cease to breathe. But it also comes with an imperative. It's not simply Him making a statement. He calls us and we are to believe Him. As it was for Abram, it means a break from who we were. He calls us from one thing to another. God calls to Abram. uh, God's call to Abram is to leave his life of sin, those idols, and to walk in faith, believing the promises of God. Abram is to make an immediate and a vital break with his past. Divorce from sin. 
old man to a new man. This is the heart of the call of the Gospel. It is turning away from something to something new. Lamentations 3.24 says this, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. It is clear that the Spirit has impressed something upon Abram that moved him to action. I want you to hear this morning the clear call of the Gospel that it might have the same impression. The Gospel is free. It costs you nothing. It's unmerited grace and favor from God and promises from Him. It tells us that our problem is sin. And without this grace, we only have the judgment of God. But it also tells us that it is God Himself that will bear that sin for us by His own Son bearing it in our place. That by His bitter stripes, by His agony, by His suffering and Him crying out, why have You forsaken Me, My Father? That Christ has literally taken your sin upon Himself. And it requires no work on your part. You could have never have earned it. It simply requires that you have faith in Christ, that you repent of your sins, and that you follow His call. And this is the call on Abram. And it is a call for each of you this morning. If you would believe in Jesus... And receive him. God calls out with his gospel. This is the message of Scripture, for he has so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He is offering to us this morning the same thing that he offered to Adam. If he would have obeyed this call of the gospel, then what is required? Our second point the response to the gospel. Most of us. I heard it said this way recently, uh, have lived through the late 1900s. It sounds really uh, uh, distant when you say it that way. Uh, we, we, we have existed before Google. We existed before cell phones. Children, your parents are older than the Internet. And when I think back, I, how did we ever get around? I mean, you, have to, you used to have to take the map with you in your car, right? Or you had to go and print something off and pay attention to the signs. Where am I going to turn? How far? I have to look at my odometer and see how many miles I've gone because it's probably coming up. How did we get around before GPS? And now I've become so reliant on GPS and my cell phone that I don't even know the names of roads, right? I don't, I don't know where I'm going because I look down and just trust this thing blindly. And there's no reason not to. It tells me if a wreck's ahead, it tells me when I will arrive. I have complete and utter confidence that my GPS is going to get me there. No questioning. I want you to think for a minute. Moses is recording this. They're in the wilderness. How important a story like this is to the Israelites who don't exactly know where they're going. They've just heard that there's giants there and big cities, and that's why they have to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses records them, look, look at your father, Abraham. And it records a story of the way Abram, 
heard what God told him, and he now turns, and it seems without even questioning God, he packs up his bags, and he is ready to go into the land that God has promised. How important a story for a wandering people in the wilderness, and for us as well. This is what it looks like to respond to God's Word and His promises. Faith requires that we trust God without knowing everything. Corey ten Boom described faith this way, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Faith in God doesn't mean that we know everything that will happen down the road, but that we trust Him who called us and will steadfastly go with us. Abram hears the call and he is moved to make a remarkable transition in faith. Verse 1, he's called to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. Now, this doesn't mean as much to us in modern society. We kind of do that naturally. We can just pack up our bags and move somewhere else, right? Because we can be connected with our family in so many different ways. But in ancient cultures, ancient times, this was monumental. Abram's leaving the protection of his nation, not to mention the gods that he was trusting in. A family who had his back and even his own father's house, which ultimately leaves behind the very things that make a man great. His inheritance, the things that are coming to him. And this action meant that as Abram packs up, he's going to have to trust God for literally everything as he goes forward. He would be a man who goes to a new place where nobody knows his name. He'd be a man who goes to a new place where he's laying his head down on someone else's land and there's no walls around him to protect him. He was going to be completely vulnerable to whatever trouble would come his way. And the remarkable thing is that he was willing to stake it all, everything, on this promise that God had given him. Verse 4, he went as the Lord had told him. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place, he doesn't know where, that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, it says, not knowing where he was going. He was going on a promise, and that was enough. So the 75-year-old man packs up his bags, took his barren wife, and believed that somehow God was going to give him more than a child, but a nation. He didn't have proof in his hands, but he did have God's Word. Note that he doesn't have those idols in his hands either. He doesn't pack up his father's idols. This is a new man with a new direction. It is a saving faith. Paul picks up on this in Romans 4. He says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness to the one who does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. I might add to this because we hear it from time to time. You know what? I'll believe in this God. If He would just grant me some kind of voice from heaven or some kind of thunderbolt. If He would just speak to me, just 
Say the smallest word, God. Show me that you are real. Demanding some kind of sign before you ever take a step of faith. I will believe you, but you're going to have to do something, Lord. You have to meet me halfway. But what we do have, he doesn't grant that, does he? I don't know how many of you have ever heard an audible voice from the heavens. But he does give us his word so precious that when it is read, it is God speaking. And so precious are those promises that if He were to lie or go back on the promises, God is so connected with His Word that He would cease to be God if this wasn't true. That's what you get to hold in your hands and read. And read to each other. You want proof? No more is needed than God has said. And no more is required than to believe Him. Abram went not knowing where he was going in one sense, but in another sense, he went knowing God was taking him to a place and would see him to that end. The response to the Gospel message then requires faith. Faith in God. Believe His promises and lay aside all other things which might be your security. God says He will save you and forgive you. Believe Him when He says it. He doesn't hold out to you, do this and this and this and this. If you do that, these promises are for you. We don't simply hear Him, but we also obey Him. God said go, so Abram went. God says to us to repent and turn from our sin. And you can come and you can hear a sermon or you can read your Bible and say, what a good word. But you see, Scripture is both factually true as an indicative, but it also has imperative. It requires a response that you are moved towards something, to do something. It's not just simply telling us facts. But it is moving you to action. Faith's response is to trust God and to obey His commands. And lastly, that should result in worship. Abram built an altar and worshipped his God, verse 7. Scripture calls you to action this morning. How do you respond? Abram may have left his family and his inheritance behind, but this new inheritance is far greater. So it is for you, believer. What is promised to you? Ephesians 1 says that Christ has known your name before the foundations of the earth, before things were made. He has foreseen your adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And He redeems us through Christ's blood, gives the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. And just like Abram who left behind the riches, the thing he was given was the riches of God's grace to which Paul goes on to say, in Him we have obtained an inheritance in Christ. You see what God's doing in 12? He's looking out well beyond Abram. Well beyond his first son and his many sons. He is looking beyond to the scope of His kingdom that will go over all the earth and those who will be included. And the same things required to believe. Such such marvelous promises. 
to hear him and to believe. How could this good news be possible? Paul says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise, which is the guarantee of your inheritance. I can call you this morning with God's word, but I can't make you move. God calls you to believe him. Pray that his Holy Spirit would move you to action. Believe, repent, and go on the promises. Christ will save to the uttermost and all are made to draw near God and He will hold you fast to the very end. So, we have seen to walk in faith means that God calls us to Himself in the Gospel of His Word and that the only response should be faith. So lastly, we shall see that the Gospel is the hope for all the nations. The gospel is both particular and expansive, particular to Abraham, but expansive to all those that are found in Abram. Somehow all the nations will be blessed through him, and the only answer for this is Christ, who will come from him. It wasn't just that Abram would have a son. From his line will come the son, the Messiah. Abram departs in verse 4 with his wife and his brother's family, and along the way, in verse 5, he gathers in Haran. Uh, he gathers uh, more people to himself. I think uh, it, it, it might be easy to read that and go, yeah, he got some slaves, some servants to help him to go along the way with him. I think what we're seeing here is the first evangelism that Abram has told others, let me tell you about the promise of God. And they hear him, and he gathers to himself and goes on this promise. He's telling others what God is going to do, and they believe and they go with Him. We see this again in, in Egypt when uh, Israelites are leaving Egypt. There's some, it says, of the Egyptians that go with them, believing the promises of God. And so they go with Him, and they go into this new land, and it's interesting where God has them stop. They travel into Canaan, and they go to Shechem, and they stop by an oak tree, not just any oak tree, but in other places in Scripture, it is the place where the Canaanites have this pagan cult that worships God. And in the sight of this pagan cult, Abram sets up uh, an altar, and all of a sudden, the smoke is going up in the midst of the land to a God whom they do not know, proclaiming that God has given this promise to Abram. Brothers and sisters, we... Uh, every time we gather to worship, every new church that goes up preaching the Bible and Christ proclaims to this world what God is doing and how His promises are spreading out throughout the earth that God is the Lord of the nations, that Yahweh is at work in the land, and that the smoke, the, the smoke rises up and I think it's 1 Corinthians, it talks about a pleasing aroma before the Lord of the worshiping of God's people. And he goes into the lost nations because this is what the Gospel is going to do in the world. It's, it's a part of your testimony. Here you sit this morning because the Gospel has gone from Abram to Israel to the nations that surround it. And as Jesus stands, the resurrected Lord, and instructs His disciples, He says, start here, but then spread out and go to all the nations. The plan is 
from the very beginning, chapter 12, that this Gospel would arise in one man who has faith. And how do we become the sons of Abraham? That song, if you grew up in the church, you sang, Father Abraham has many sons, many sons has Father Abraham, and I am one of them. These sweet Gospel promises that started so long ago still move in and among the nations. What are we doing on Sunday? Why proclaim Christ in Him alone? It's the only way to be saved, yes. And it is doing something marvelous in the midst of the nations that this God, who is so gracious and so kind and so free with that mercy, would pluck you up out of this world and save you. Sit here this morning, you might say, with your arms crossed and say, God could never love me. I'm unlovable. That's not what's happening and that's not what He says and that's not what He promised to all who repent and turn to Him. You will be saved. What good news. Children, it really is a simple message this morning. What God is doing here, what God has said. I want you to know, children, look, He speaks to you even here and now. This isn't just for your mom or your dad or the older folks beside you from the late 1900s. This message is for you. That He speaks to you like your own parents speak to you as one who promises. But sometimes mom and dad... They don't always keep their promises. It's not this way with this God. He speaks to you and He promises and makes great promises to you. And what He asks of you is to believe Him. To trust Him. And He is trustworthy. And He wants to make you a part of His family. What is it to be a part of His family? Believe in God who makes great promises Believe in Him who promised He will pour out His blessing on the nations. As we see at the end of, of our section this morning, it's not a secret. It's a thing to be proclaimed with boldness. As bold as it was to build an altar by an oak in Shechem in the sight of pagan cultic worship. Proclaim Christ and Him crucified and believe